<laughs> this is Believe, a Ted Lasso podcast. I'm Julian. This is... I'm Tom. Hi, everybody. We are the formation of Team Bench. <laughs> All two of us. All two of us. Thank you for joining us. We will be discussing Season 1, Episode 8 of a little TV show called... A Ted Lasso. I'm not going to say it anymore. I've already said it enough. This episode is called The Diamond Dogs. Which we are really going to get into. Uh, but up front, what Tom and I wanted to talk about was, uh, for those of you listening, for those of you that have been listening, uh, thank you very much for doing that. As we're coming to the end of season one of Ted Lasso, we're discussing whether or not to do season two. Or whether or not it might be good to look at a different show altogether. Mm -hmm. So... For those of you that are loyal listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can email us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. You can put it in the reviews, uh, Apple Podcast reviews, let you write stuff. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to give us five stars, uh, I mean, I guess <laughs> you could give us one star and then tell us to do a different show. That would be fine. <laughs> we probably wouldn't prefer that, but that's on you. So we'd love to hear from you if you want us to continue with season two. Uh, right now, I have seen season one several times, as we've mentioned. Tom is. Yep, I've just been watching episodically. So Episodically. Yeah. So if we go to season two, we would also be doing that. But mm -hmm. you still get the same great quality programming oh, yes. that you're getting here at PBS. So... <laughs> Anything else to say on that? Uh, no, uh, if you do want to reach out via email of Twitter, uh, we don't really have a whole lot of the other social medias, but if you want to reach us through Twitter, uh, we are at Team Binge. So let us know. Keep the comments coming, and uh, we appreciate everybody. All right. So now we are on Episode 8, Season 1, The Diamond Dogs. This was written by Leanne Bowen. I looked her up. Unfortunately, not a lot of stuff that I have seen. Hmm. Uh, obviously, the other writing team gets in there in terms of the creators, Bill Lawrence, Jason Sudeikis, and Brendan Hunt. Um, but Leanne Bowen is the writer of this episode. Big themes for this one. Be curious, not... Not judgmental. Which is going to be very tough for me during this episode <laughs> because there are some moral quandaries that my old school personality has issue with. So I'm going to try not to be judgmental. I'm going to try to just bring the righteous flame of judgment. This is why you're not Lasso Level 7. This is why you're stuck on 6. Got to uh, be curious, that's man. That's very true. Right. We are introduced to the Diamond Dogs. Ooh, 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 ooh. Are you going to bark every time? 100%. Okay, great. You're welcome, audience. Uh, and then we get to see some more of Roy and Keeley's uh, relationship develop and some complications there. So uh, we are leaving... The last episode, which was the away game, mm -hmm. where they were all staying in a hotel. Opening of this episode, the big Greyhound bus <laughs> is outside. Without a doubt, a Greyhound uh, bus. It is. It is. I, I, I admit it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I was confused, too. So, funny scene here. They open the bottom of the bus, and they find Nate in the baggage area. Oh, yeah. Which is a callback to last episode, where he got accidentally stuck in there like now he's found comforts in the bottom of this bus that's where he lives now that's just <laughs> who he is he's a bottom dwelling uh, bus riding guy so i was very confused when they first happened like they were looking for nate they found him because like sam kind of opens it sure. says something um in mon, his native he's like tongue. mon cherie yeah which um, is french <laughs> is it french yes. no. um i i didn't 
I, I didn't realize that this was picking up obviously immediately after last episode yeah. and he was just you know where he left him was getting mm-hmm. carried off plastered drunk so yeah. he's in recovery and as he immediately wakes up has to go run to the bushes and vomit. Right. So they remind us that they had quite a night out. So uh, then we cut from there and we're kind of catching up with all the characters, the aftermath of mm. the away game uh, that, that night at the hotel. So then we're in Rebecca's room, that young waiter uh, with the great abs is Man. in bed. Man. She's like sneaking out like she needs <laughs> to not wake him. And then she's like, wait, it's my room. Boy, get out. <laughs> yeah. Which you feel for that guy a little bit. But I'm sure they had fun. And then we go from there to the one that we were confused on by last episode. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that Sassy or Flo, whatever you want to call her, ended up in Ted's room. She's in Ted's bed. And it's this funny thing where he's sitting fully dressed He's got like his bag in his lap, almost like cradling it. Like just kind of like the way it's shot and physically what Jason Sudeikis is, as you can tell, he's like uncomfortable. You find out he's been awake for a while. Yeah, three hours. Like a bit for an hour, another hour. About three hours total. (laughs) Three hours total. He's clearly uncomfortable. Uh, They had fun last night. I don't know what that means. I don't know what the kids call fun these days. Um, But she doesn't seem to be wearing any type of clothing underneath the sheets. And he's fully dressed. So. I think it's I think it's safe to say that Ted shot his shot. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. Probably okay. that is a thing that kids say. I, I was corrected and I, I stand I, I stand down from the comments I made last Looks week. like we're even on those money bets now. <laughs> she uh, Flo makes a, a funny joke, and I don't know if you caught this reference, but she says, Hey, after you leave, because he orders her late checkout, after you leave, I'm going to charge a big breakfast to your account. Mm-hmm. And Ted says, I'll be your underhill anytime. And I was like, oh, that's a Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> Bilbo Baggins, I'm sorry, Frodo Baggins, underhill reference. It is not. Are you familiar <laughs> with the movie Fletch? I, I'm very familiar with it, but I have to admit, I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through. Okay, so it's a Chevy Chase movie, uh, a classic comedy that, people love mm-hmm. i don't think i've ever seen it it's i think it's a little bit before our time it's classic chevy chase it's like an like, 80s right 80s yeah like early, early 80s i think it was before like caddyshack i feel like caddyshack okay. was probably the first chevy chase flick that i've seen so so the reference there is fletch who's like a private detective is sneaking into a country club he witnesses a guy named mr underhill being mean to a waiter and so the rest of the time he charges everything to the underhill mm, account gotcha. so as he's on, in disguise at this country club if we're wrong on that, don't write us because I'm just <laughs> going to watch the movie and then feel dumb about this later. <laughs> What's interesting is Bill Lawrence, who is the creator of Ted Lasso and Scrubs, uh, at one point tried to do a reboot of Fletch oh. because it's like beloved in the comedy mm-hmm. uh, circle, but I don't think it made it off the ground. So the one thing I thought was interesting is Ted leaves cradling his backpack. He looks like terrified. He looks like scared. I'm wondering if he's just thinking about the consequences i guess okay. like if he's because he's contemplating whether he should tell rebecca and they kind of get into that a little bit um but it is it is odd like we talked about last episode I, I didn't we didn't like the way it happened like she barged into the room um and ted was in such a vulnerable place like was this really slow barged into the room sorry yes slow yeah or um, sassy sassy flassy when flassy popped into the room uh, that doesn't sound good at all. Last <laughs> is something you take medication for when you're older. Um, but I, I get, I even started this episode, I didn't like it. But once once we get the Diamond Dogs kind of together and they kind of talk through it, 
uh, I'll admit it kind of turned me around a little bit. Okay, great. I'm I'm looking forward to butting heads on this. Uh, So then bust back to Richmond's facility uh, as they get out. Beard is like, you know, hey, coach, what's going on? He's like, and Ted's like, what do you mean? And he's like, you didn't talk for five hours. And that's a record by about five hours. So they apparently sat on the bus in silence. Um, And what's very funny is Ted says something like, I'm going to tell you something, and then I don't ever want to talk about it again. And then he admits to having a one-night stand with Sassy. (laughs) And then immediately Beer goes, do you want to talk about it? And he's like, yes, immediately, (laughs) right now. And they depart to go talk about it. When he said that, I thought it was like, it was like a joke. Like, Beer was making a joke, like, do you want to talk about it? He said yes immediately, like, we're never going to talk about this again. But then they literally cut to this next scene, and they're talking right into it. Yeah. So then we're uh, Keely and Roy in the training room. Keely's on the bed um, while the trainer is working on his leg, correct? Keely's out of the bed. I'm Roy's sorry, on Roy the bed. is on the bed. The trainer is working <laughs> on Roy. Freudian slip Ooh, right there. Freudian slip. Keely pops her head in. Um, he is being worked out by the trainer who is listening to what? Uh, Real Crime Murder uh, Podcast. Murder Podcast, yeah. Which, kind of is, which is funny because it just cuts into their conversation. Like at one point, <laughs> Keely asks Roy a question and he's like, I'm busy. And then the trainer goes, he's lying. But she's <laughs> talking to her, her, her podcast, yeah. which was a funny bit. Well, and Keely mentions like she she cuts that really long pause after saying like, oh, I'm so hungover. I can just drink a bucket of coffee. Oh, she's giving him the opportunity. She's, yeah, she's waiting. She's like, come on, like, take take the bait, take the bait. And he does it. He just kind of says he's busy. Yeah. And he tells her that she should leave because... <laughs> yeah, because he's start to work on his hamstrings, and I make a lot of a lot of weird noises. I don't want people hearing my noises. <laughs> and you do hear it as she leaves. He makes this weird grunting, like groan noise, and it like transitions into Ted's office sequence. So yeah. like, you can't tell if it's him doing that or Ted like kind of groaning. It was it was great. Yeah, they do acknowledge when she first comes into the training room. She's like, "Isn't this haunted?" And Roy's like, "We took care of it," which is great. <laughs> so then we're in Ted's office, uh, and he is. Obviously feeling, I guess, some level of guilt mm-hmm. about the events. And they do do this thing where, like, he gives the explanation of why, why he feels the way that he does. He's like, I went from having a mental breakdown to a one-night stand and somewhere in there getting divorced, which he didn't get divorced. He just signed the paperwork. It's still got to be filed with the court. They've got to pay the fee. Then it's got to go. Anyway, so I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> Very technical. But, um i just i don't know he's going through this and the diamond dogs who are essentially nate beard and higgins Mm -hmm. are all listening to him and they act like it's not a big deal like they're kind of giving him the did you have fun Mm -hmm. did she have fun like they're brushing it off but i don't I, i don't think i agree with ted it is something important to be like discussed in terms of he's going through some turmoil and i think he made a choice that he wouldn't normally normally make Mm -hmm. um but they're just like oh did everyone have fun oh great then it's okay like listen ted's allowed to have a little bit of nuts for butts (laughs) (laughs) i hope the kids are not saying that i can tell you that much um no i mean i i agree with you it's definitely not in in ted's character but i think when the guys kind of pull it out a little bit and there's multiple mentions in this episode about having one night stands and how like it's it's not like when our 
and, you know, I don't know how old people are, but like when your parents were younger and stuff like that, where like you couldn't have sex until you were married kind of a thing, or you couldn't live together until you, you were married. I feel like the times have kind of changed a little bit and it's, you know, two consenting adults just having a good time is fine. I agree with you that the circumstances in which Ted, uh, you know, had quote unquote fun in his uh, hotel room with Lassie uh, probably wasn't the best for him. But I do think they, the way the Diamond Dogs put it together is, as long as you guys both had fun and you're both consenting, there's no there's no harm in it. Okay. So hold that because when they talk about this with like Keely and Roy, yeah. I think it's important that we that we touch on what you just said. Yeah. And we'll we'll hammer it home a little bit more there. <laughs> Pun not intended. <laughs> I do think that the standard of did everyone have fun is not necessarily the standard we should all live to because uh my fun your fun is different i don't know i just think there are some maybe important choices that are made that should be made inside of committed and loving relationships yeah like when she came to the room she likely wasn't in her rightest of minds she was probably you know drinking all night ted seemed to have been not necessarily drinking, but not in the right state of mind. So sure. I'm, not, I'm not condoning this. And he is this. still technically married. I cannot. The, the <laughs> paperwork has not been filed. So that, that's what's getting you. Still you did, technically married. You did deep dive into the, the intricacies of divorce. So is that is that the biggest thing? Like No, that's not the biggest his thing. Ring, his, his ring isn't a 10. Does that mean anything? No. No, no, no. no. Just because you're not wearing a wedding ring. Okay. Um, no, 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 no. Okay, we'll get into this more when we talk Roy and Keeley's thing. But Ted does bring up, uh, and I didn't understand really why this was an issue. I mean, I guess for the point of the show, but he's like, oh, should I tell Rebecca? Mm-hmm. Like, why would he tell Rebecca? Because they're they're friends? I think he's just that close to friends kind of a thing. And Ted just feels he needs to be an open book. And I think I mean, kind of towards the end of the sequence, what he kind of says, like, should he tell him? And what Higgins kind of makes the mark about. Like, what does Higgins, Higgins do? Well, Higgins gags. That's right. Higgins does the weird thing we've mentioned a couple of times where, because Ted says, do I need to tell Rebecca? Everyone says no. And he says, which I don't necessarily disagree with him. I don't know why it's any of Rebecca's business. But Ted says something like, oh, well, if she was holding something from me, she was hiding from something from me, I'd be mm-hmm. sick about it. Yeah. And that's when Higgins goes, oh, <laughs> his involuntary <laughs> gag. You're welcome, audience. <laughs> he did it in the parking lot in the first one where she talks about... Um, kind of confronts him about being behind her back. Well, when right? she's talking to Higgins, when Higgins and Rebecca are talking about playing Ted, essentially, or letting the team go to crap, mm-hmm. he, he does the <laughs> gag. I'm actually I'm actually pretty impressed at how well I can do this. But I'm gonna nate this, man. Anyway, I'm gonna throw I did bucket. So what I'm discovering is anytime this is so revolting to Higgins that like his body has an involuntary response. It rejects it. Even I, though he has been keeping this inside. Like he can't he can't take away that that spasm. I wish we all had that kind of involuntary thought to deceit. Like <laughs> adultery, Ted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, yeah, what's funny? The Scarlet A now. <laughs> no, while they're while they're talking, Roy pops in and he's like, uh, "What are y'all doing?" He doesn't say it like that because he's British. And Ted goes, "Hey, I want your opinion on something." And Roy goes, "No," and then nope. leaves. <laughs> it's so great. Oh, Brent Gold. Another yeah, another classic Roy leaving a scene. So Higgins talks to Ted. He's like, "Hey, why are you going twelve rounds with yourself? Why do you feel guilty? Mm-hmm. What did you do wrong?" Um, and then. 
Nate says something like, oh, I always wanted to be a part of a group of men that talked about the intricacies <laughs> of men and women. And so they start naming what this group is going to be. And the examples are, I think it starts out as Ted Lasso's personal dilemma squad, which wasn't Ted's best. Nope. Thinks about it a little bit. And then he's like, EQ Warriors. What is EQ Warriors? Uh... I didn't get that one. EQ. Equality? EQ. No. I don't know. There's probably something. I'll look it up yeah. after this and keep it to myself. And then it goes to Beard. Beard's like, uh, how about Knights of the Support? Knights of Support. Higgins didn't like it. It said it sounded too much like a... Jockstrap uh, company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then Higgins slowly says, Proud Boys? <laughs> Proud Boys. Which Nate, it says Nate over the top. He vomits he into vomits his little in bucket. Uh, which... which which obviously, yeah, Proud Boys is that it's a far right wing. Uh, they're not. Whoa, 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 whoa! Listen, call they the kettle black. Far right wing group, and they're very proud. They're proud. I'm sure they're probably all terrible too. <laughs> and then they wind up on. And then it finishes with Nate, who with his head in the bucket, his head in the bucket, says, diamond, diamond dogs. Do you understand <laughs> where he like? Suing the dogs is because they're AFC Richmond Greyhounds. Okay. That's kind of their mascot. Okay. And the diamond, because there's four of them. All four of them create a diamond. Man, you thought about that a lot more than I did. I was like, it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it's a fine name. It's a fine. <laughs> it's uh, alliteration, man. Everybody loves alliteration. <laughs> you don't understand the, uh, power, the of power of rhyming in this country, <laughs> exactly. as Keeley says. So then we are out of there and that moral quandary. Which I think we solved. I think we no, solved that more. We're going to hit it more. Ted was great. People had fun. No. Life's short. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. That's not how we should live. Okay. Then we're at Keely. We're at Keely at home. <laughs> she's texting Roy, who isn't responding once again. He said he was going to be busy. I'm uh, busy. She... Wait, I, I, I want to go back really quick to him in the uh, uh, locker room saying, go busy. I'm busy. He's just like, I just, <laughs> oh, just, just explain it. And you're like, fine. what is going on? At first, like, I assumed, like, oh, he's going to be with his. Uh, his niece. Maybe he's doing something with her. With um, Phoebe, sure. Yeah, but we'll find out here in a little bit what he was up to. Excited for it. So she's texting Roy. He's not responding. She's left her. He has left her on read, which is something the kids say. Jamie shows up at the house. What's so funny is Keeley's like, oh, how have you been? And he starts naming off his, like, <laughs> yeah. football stats. Yep, I had he's two like, dribbles. Yeah. I had... What is a completed dribble? What does that mean? I think that means like you dribble past a guy. I don't know the exact details. When I'm admittedly, when I heard it, I thought that was kind of odd, especially only saying two. I'm assuming it's like you literally dribbled past a guy. So I would be interested as a non-soccer watcher. Like I know football stats. I know mm -hmm. what they keep track of. For like soccer, it's like goals <laughs> and assists. Uh -huh. So you kicked the ball to someone else who scored. Mm -hmm. There's like pass percentage, so like your completed passes, like when you get the ball, you pass it off to somebody else, like that's a thing. And if it's not numbers. intercepted, yep. If it's not intercepted, or the guy you know goes flying out of bounds, whatever, so that's something. Usually, what you'll see like stats for an individual will be like a little heat map of literally where they ran across the whole field, so you can kind of get a sense for like where players spent a lot of their time, which is kind of it's more interesting. But it's like all sports nowadays; it's so overly analyzed with data and everything. Huh. Some of the guys will actually wear. I don't think they do in the Premier League. Um, but some of the guys will wear, it's almost like a, it's like a support bra almost, but it has like a little attachment in the back of their, in the base of their neck that is like a little sensor. So it literally tracks everything that they're doing throughout the game. So mm. that like coach, some teams like will require their players to wear that to be able to see how fast the guy ran mm. or, you know, how hard they were working. 
the good book talks about censors and being tracked by the government. Something to keep, uh, something to keep an eye on there, soccer players. And so <laughs> Jamie starts naming off his stats. He claims, oh, and then we get into, uh, he blames Ted for being sent away. Yeah. And she is... says, it wasn't Ted's fault. Mm -hmm. Manchester City, City yep. called you back because mm -hmm. he was on loan. Which so, we know was Rebecca. Rebecca was the one that pulled the right. trigger and sent him off. But I'd like, I mean, I didn't like how they did this, but clearly to me, it seems like they're setting something up for um, maybe these last two episodes and kind of keeping that strife between Ted and Jamie. Um, because I think Jamie still thinks that Ted wronged him, but right. that was not the case. Well, and I think you could understand, like, I mean, I don't know why Ted wouldn't reach out to Jamie. I don't know if there's like rules against like reaching out, texting, or calling a player, but. That could be explained, but you can clearly see that, like, they made that breakthrough, mm -hmm. and then Jamie was sent away, Gone. and so Jamie blames Ted, and yep. so it is interesting that they kept that, uh, we'll call it strife, in there. <laughs> Jamie's speech, he's talking to Keely, and he gives her a speech about dating her, mm -hmm. and how it made him a better person, <laughs> and... The guy should win whatever the British equivalent of an Emmy is for this. Because it's just, Jamie Tart goes into some great things here. He's like, and I'm not going to attempt to do the accent, Aww. but he's like, you made me cultured. You took me to plays and stuff. And Keeley's like, you hated all that. And he's like, they do all these emotional things. They make you feel all these emotional ways. <laughs> And they get mad when you start trying to shout out and talk to them during their performance. And then it's like, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> and so you picture Jamie sitting in a play in London, <laughs> shouting at the performers because he's feeling something based on their performance. Yeah, when the performers are doing their job, he's making them feel. So, But he does say something very nice. He says, hey, you know, you help me grow. You help me get, get out, out of my own mm -hmm. way. Yep. Yeah. This leads to, once again, just kind of a strange, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's part of the show. They have to have these types of conflict. Mm -hmm. But these two decide to, I guess, then hook up. Pav she, Pavlovian. Yeah, Pavlovian. <laughs> right when, right when he, uh, he's she, leaving. Yeah, he's leaving. He's getting ready to go. Ask her if he wants a drink. And, of course, he just immediately, first off, thinks it's just a drink. And then so realizes, yeah. wait a minute, is that drink mean something else? Yeah. And... <clears throat> Right when she first opened the door and we saw Jamie, I was kind of my first reaction was like, "Cool, Jamie's back." Because I just I hate the I don't like the character, sure. but I love I think he's funny and it's a fun dynamic. Sure. Um, but right when he opened that door and they were in Keeley's house, I'm like, "This scene is going to end with them, Pavlovian." Sure, Pavlovian. Pavlovian. Yes. Ing, ing. Yes. Um, and it was kind of a bummer to, to kind of see that. Like I think you know, as we kind of, we'll get to Keeley just has kind of these emotions flying and doesn't really know how to deal with a guy that's not reaching out to her immediately right away. That she's sure. Her other suitors. Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> that's fair. All right. And then we find ourselves at Biscuits with the Boss. Ted comes in. He's got two boxes. Mm. He's got his biscuits. And then he's got... Some sweet, sweet Liverpool fudge. Truffles. Oh. Truffles, Tom. Was it truffles? Truffles, yeah. Was it? Yeah, truffles. Like truffle, fudge truffles. Fudge truffles, yeah. It was chocolate, but okay. truffles. Oh, right. Not like mushrooms. Did you think I meant mushrooms? I thought you meant mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I was like, man, that's expensive too. No, 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 no. So he comes in with biscuits and truffles. <laughs> he teaches her how to smish them together and make a like a sandwich cookie out of them. And then he, essentially he's coming in there to thank her for being so kind to him in Liverpool as he was having his uh, anxiety attack or his mental breakdown. Uh, and then he mentions to her 
that he has her back. He yeah. owes her one. And metaphorically. Metaphorically. Because we all know how much Ted loves metaphors. He loves so metaphors. Metaphorical St. Bernard, a metaphorical avalanche, with metaphorical bourbon hanging around your neck. Is that a thing? Did St. Bernard's have bourbon hanging around their neck? Well, you've seen the pictures. They have the little kegs. Yeah. My assumption is that they carry those because when you drink liquor, it like warms you up. So mm, that okay. was kind of a... But I'd have to do more of a deep dive than what we just did there. We might I, need to drink some more bourbon to find I out. So, it does warm your soul. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that. Deep really down. painful on the knees, though. Oh, so painful on the drinker's <laughs> knees. So then she he he tells her he owes her a favor. She immediately calls in that favor, yeah. by the way. Does not hesitate. Uh, she lets him know that she has a minority owners meeting with some horrible human beings <laughs> who, if Rebecca thinks they're horrible, they're probably pretty horrible. Probably not that bad. Actually, that's true. They're probably, they're probably two Ted Lassos. <laughs> yeah. So they're the Milk Sisters. Yep. Is and great line here. He's Ted goes. What's their uh, ownership mm-hmm. in terms of what's their percentage of ownership? And then Rebecca's like two point nine percent. Two point nine. Ted's like, I'm gonna round that down and call those gals the two percent milk. <laughs> Which leads to a bunch of dairy jokes through this episode. It's the first of uh, many dairy puns. If I could have written down all the dairy puns from this episode and just read them into this microphone, it would have brought me great joy. But since the audience, our audience, has watched the show, I figured maybe that wasn't worthwhile. Well, you know, there's a lot of alts, too, of like all these different versions of of dairy puns, and this is what they landed on, which they were all gold. I'm assuming writers enjoy moments like that. They're probably off camera, like scribbling more, and like he just has to read them. Uh Or, and he's probably um, ad libbing them. Yeah, I'd be interested. I haven't really done any dives on like, because again, I don't want to spoil anything, knowing that the second season is already kind of midway through as we record this pod. So. Um, I'm hesitant to watch any videos of like behind the scenes, but I'm very interested to see how what? some of the dynamics of creating the show. We could just write letters and be like, oh, was that ad-libbed? And they'll <laughs> yeah. be like, it was not ad-libbed. It <laughs> yeah. was scripted. Just like The Office. <laughs> Thanks, Office ladies. <laughs> Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So then we are in the press room with Keely, and she is sitting with Colin, Isaac, and Sam. And this trio, we're going to call them the Three Musketeers. <laughs> These guys are great. I love all three of them. She is, from a marketing perspective, trying to link them up with sponsors. Mm-hmm. And so she says, hey, it's it's easier to link you with something that you care about or something you're interested in. So she asks them what they're interested in. Two of them are very interested in Air Jordans. Who's uh, not? In a sexual sense, they're interested in one of them. Is. Not Sam. Not Sam. <laughs> Sam's like, I don't want to make love to them though, which is a great line. And Sam, of course, is like, I'm interested in like humanitarian effort, like mm-hmm. those types of things, giving back. And then our man Isaac, what's Isaac interested in? Rolos. Rolos. So you mean sweets and chocolate? Just Rolos. Just Rolos. <laughs> now let me ask you this: Are there in in football like Isaac's a big dude? Yeah. Like he is a bruiser. Mm-hmm. Are there, like, I think of soccer players is, you know, pretty, uh, pretty slim. They're running all the time. Are there guys on, on uh, premier soccer teams that are like, 
built like that where you run into them and you essentially break a bone? Uh, no. No? There really aren't okay. guys built like this. Okay. And if there are, they're a dime a dozen. You don't right. see them very often. Because they pitch him as like the... In uh, in hockey, they have a term for it. The guy that um, yeah, like a bruiser, just a yeah. guy that just will like yeah start fights sure. for the sake of it. So they'll throw him in just and then throw fisticuffs. But sure, yeah, it doesn't really happen in in the the beautiful game of football. Sure. What other candy does Isaac hate though? Yeah, he loves he, Rolos. He hates and he hates Sour Patch Kids. Yeah. Which is this a, a callback or a reference to Two Aces yeah. when uh, Beard and, and Ted were talking about the pool of cash and Sour Patch Kids and how yeah. excited they were going to be? Yeah. It's an, it was an odd uh, call. It, it was a shot fired at Sour Patch Kids, <laughs> 100%. And I know you love Sour Patch Kids, and if they didn't ruin my tongue and... Listen, I'm never going to say a bad thing about Sour Patch Kids. I don't want the Sour Patch Kids lobby to come down on me. <laughs> That's true. It's a, That's big, true. it's a big one. I wish they'd figure out the Sour Patch Kids packaging, though. I don't really like having to do, open a box and then open a package it's inside. It's the freshness factor, man. It's the freshness factor. No, I understand factor. the freshness, but I don't think you do. I don't want to go through two layers to get to my candy. You know, one layer. Starburst. No, actually, that's two. It's the <laughs> outer ever. Dang it! <laughs> You've ruined me again, Candy! So then then we have uh, Keeley and... Uh, oh, Roy comes in. After mm. those three are dismissed, Isaac gives him a, hey, Captain, salutes him as he leaves. Uh, Roy comes in and he asks Keeley to a movie. Uh, and then she's like, what's going on? I've been texting you. I was, you... I was busy. <laughs> no explanation. I was Just, busy. I was busy. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And I honestly think it's like... He doesn't understand no. like the need to be like deceptive. He's mm -hmm. just like I'm busy. Yeah. Like he's just very straightforward. He feels like that's all the explanation that's needed. Yeah. Why didn't you text me? Because I was busy. I was like, busy. and he wasn't yeah. doing it like sarcastically or to be rude right. or anything to her. He was just saying it like it is. I would argue it's not that hard to text someone some sort of response. Like, no. hey, I'm busy. No, no. <laughs> you could have you could have texted that. Not when your uh, drag shows at like six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's a, yeah, have you ever been in a drag show at 2 o'clock in the morning? That's true. Eating crepes with drag queens <laughs> yeah. in Balham or whatever it was. <laughs> so she wants to know then why he ran after the kiss. Because the kiss was fire. It was on fire. Yeah. It was fire. Mm -hmm. And so he goes into, he is a professional footballer. He's had a million one-night stands. Mm -hmm. She says something like, I have two. <laughs> he goes, I don't know why we're bragging about it. <laughs> no and you both see them like, like, why are we bragging about this? Yeah. It's a weird thing to brag about, I guess. From my perspective, maybe mm -hmm. not everyone's. And so he makes the comment, hey, he wants a more mature relationship mm -hmm. than just hooking up. So, and this is where I wanted to go back to the, like, she had fun, he had fun. Because the show does two things here. It's like, it dismisses Ted for having, like, some feelings of guilt or some issue with having a one-night stand. But Brent Goldstein, as Roy... And Keely both acknowledge during this conversation that they've had one night stands and they always feel empty afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like there's no fulfillment there. So I think it's interesting that like it's acknowledged at this moment that, hey, it's a shallow, empty thing to do. Well, but isn't then... that isn't that Ted's feeling like Ted feels sh shallow or, or hollow and empty inside after the sequence? So right. he's getting what they have felt a lot, lot part of their or big part of their life. But in that room with the diamond dogs. Uh -huh. what? Woo! Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'll edit it. So okay. there's no hesitation. Um, no, you won't. <laughs> but with the diamond dogs, they're like they're like telling Ted, oh, you're being silly. Like. 
Well, so but I think it's, that, it's, it's. I don't know. No, I think I think it's conflicting. There. No, I I agree. Um, but I think it's different dynamics. Like the, the Ted feels hollow and empty inside, like Keely and Roy mentioned in this sequence. Um, but his friends, the Diamond Dogs. Myself. No, that's not the right one. I think one. that was a ghost. <laughs> I think that was a ghost. Yeah. Um, the training room. But they, they again. were kind of just like bringing him down and telling him not to be so hard on yourself. Like you've been through a lot. Like having consensual relations with another person shouldn't make you feel like a terrible person. That doesn't make you a terrible person. Now I understand, like from your standpoint, like he is still married. He signed the divorce papers. Like not thirty minutes after he signs the divorce <laughs> paper, he's with another woman. Right. Is kind of weird. Um, but I think they're just saying like, we know this is not who you are. You're not the kind of guy that goes out and has all these like one night stands and these kind of relationships. You shouldn't try to, you know, eat yourself up inside because you're already going through a lot. See, you have done a better job of explaining that than Beard simply saying, or them saying, did you have fun? Did she have fun? Then it's okay. Like that, I don't agree with. It does. What you said, uh, Mm -hmm. I, I think is a better explanation. The other thing I don't really like, and I think is out of character, once again, I love the show, and I'm diving into this a little bit more because it is a show that makes me think about these things. So we're doing this fun. Is like, Ted, I don't feel like would have left Sassy without like exchanging contact information or like having some sort of, like he just leaves. Mm-hmm. And like, I just don't feel like he's the type of person that would be that shallow, essentially. Does I, that make sense? No, or? it does. I, I feel like as he was leaving the scene, his hair should have been down because I feel like he was frazzled. <laughs> okay. His hair should have been like this as yes. he was leaving. Because he was... Oh, you look ridiculous, yeah, but it's great. It's for the YouTube audience. Um, yeah, I think he was frazzled. He didn't He didn't know what to do in that moment. Mm. Like, he wakes or wakes her up sitting in this chair, fully dressed, sure. creepily, like, staring at her almost. Like, he was just looking at a text that he got on his phone. But super awkward. He doesn't know what to do in this sequence. Like, he just wants to get out of there. Right. But he wants to get out of there. He's not going to be... He's not going to leave without saying something to her. Um, I, I just feel like... I would feel like Ted would think about Sassy's feelings and be interested in her, like, at not such a shallow level that he would at least, I don't know. I think that's why he stayed, though. I think that's why he stayed. If if he didn't mm, think of her or whatever, he would have just left. He would have been the the baggage carrier of the bus (laughs) with with Nate hiding. Spooning with Nate. Nate would have been like, what are you here for? And he's like, I'm hiding. (laughs) But I also think, I mean, do we know? Yeah, we know. Ted knows that her and Rebecca are best friends. friends. Right. So to think that maybe Ted didn't get her number or that kind of stuff, like there likely is still going to be a chance for that relationship to to blossom or, or something more to kind of come from it. Like I said, I haven't seen the last two episodes. Right. Maybe they just leave this and Flassie's gone. Um, right. But I, I, I don't know. But I think all of your points are, are absolutely valid. I think this is similar to the divorce and how it all kind of processed. It happened incredibly quickly. Some of the things they do character-wise are definitely outside of what we have been told, the show has been telling us right. that these characters are doing. Um, so they try to just throw a funny twist on it to kind of move past it. I guess I feel mostly for, and yeah, I'm sorry for being on my soapbox. No. I feel mostly for Henry, because Henry is about to get a British half-brother, <laughs> and he's not going to know what to do with him. <laughs> Roy Lasso is going to come into Henry's life, and he's just not going to know. Anyways. I love um, a British brother. <laughs> a British brother. So, oh, during this conversation, it's a funny callback. Roy makes a comment about, like, one-night stands. 
uh, someone stole his watch, which oh, is a yeah. callback to where uh, Keely and him have a conversation. And she brings up, she's like, didn't one of your ex-girlfriends steal your watch <laughs> and sell it for drugs or something like that? It's like, I don't need a watch and a phone. <laughs> Great, Roy. Love you, Roy. And then this is a moment where Keely admits to Roy that she hooked up with Jamie the night before. Mm -hmm. And Roy expresses the idea that this was Keely trying to get back at him, mm. which I was very confused by. That. And she apologizes. She's like, no, no, yes, I'm sorry. They will, I don't know. This is this is all foreign to me because <laughs> they weren't in a relationship. So Roy's like, you're getting back at me with hooking up with your ex, Jamie. But I, I, okay, I just no, okay, can't no, understand. No, no, I, don't, I don't understand. Okay. Which one don't you understand? Because I feel like I know this maybe that I can explain this. So do you, whose perspective do you not understand? Roy's I don't understand why she has to apologize to Roy. I understand why he would be upset about it. Mm -hmm. If he wants to date her and she's still hooking up with her ex, yep. I understand that emotion. Okay. But I do not understand why she has to apologize to him for it. And I do not understand, like, I didn't see it as she was trying to get back at Roy. I saw it as Jamie showed up at her house Pavlo. and it was Pavlovian. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I think it was Keely was further on in this relationship than Roy was at the point. Like Keely assumed that they, you know, they've had the conversations. They've kind of done some back and forth flirting. Like she was hoping and, and assuming that Roy was going to reciprocate that earlier than Roy did. Um, so I think from Keely's standpoint, when she felt kind of ghosted from the text messages and stuff and didn't get back to him, it was kind of like Keely wants to move on from Jamie. She she has expressed multiple times she is done with Jamie, but there still is obviously a physical attraction there. So now she feels guilty for having done that, knowing she doesn't have feelings for Jamie. She has feelings for Roy. So I, I think when, when she responds, she's saying, no, of course I didn't. I didn't do that on purpose or whatever. Or no. And then slowly start to realize, like, yes, I did this just physically because I, I wanted that in the moment. I don't want to be with him. I wanted to be with you. Yeah, but he makes a point of you did that to get back at me. Like, I don't think she anyways i think she did i, I mean i think okay. subconsciously i think there was a little bit that that she did for that and again i think we've seen in their like, little bits of their relationship like the accountability like somebody each of them have done this throughout their little relationship i think it started at the gala where roy called her out for using him as a pawn when sure. she was like bidding on him and okay. she immediately apologized and it's the same situation like i agree outside perspective maybe it it didn't seem like that because they're not together. They're not dating uh, per se here yet. Um, but in Keeley's mind, I think she did do this kind of to get at him. And there was no reason for her to do that. Mm. Okay. Well, I was confused by it. Thank you for explaining it for me. The best part of this is at the end, mm. Roy's quote. I'm going to let you quote Roy. His response to finding this out is, mm. yes, you do a great job. He grunts. She's like, when you learn to speak again, we can talk about it. And then he grunts his way out of the room. And this continues because Roy then shows up in Ted's office and he's just grunting. And Ted's like, something's wrong. Okay, I'm only going to get a grunt. Let me guess at what's wrong because you're not giving me any verbal cues. <laughs> I love the guessing game. There's a brontosaurus in his office making these noises. And Ted is that what guesses, you got from mine? A bronchosaurus? Uh, I've never heard of bronchosaurus <coughs> in real life. Wait, actually, 
No, I have not heard Bronchosaurus in real life. Um, the guessing game from Roy's grunts, Ted says, you're thinking about buying your first house. And you're like, okay, I know what we're doing now. Let me start again. Ted says, I think you're, I, you don't have to do that one again. No, I'm going to. We've got this down now. Ted says, you're thinking about buying your first house. It's deeper and angrier. You're, you're yelling at me for the grunting noises. I'm not yelling, although the volume levels are spiking into yellow and red. All right, all right, all right. Take three. All right. Wait, wait. I'm not cutting any of this. No, no, no this is gold. This is gold. You're thinking about buying your first house. <laughs> you just found out your dad was a little racist. <laughs> well, he's in the 60s and he's from South London. Of course he's a bit racist. <laughs> that line, that line killed me. There's, yeah. There's a certain point where you just realize uh, that maybe your parents are a bit racist. Like, I don't uh, know mine aren't. Not yeah. in this situation. No. My parents aren't from South London. I don't know South London, but I got a grandma from Tennessee, and she was a bit racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we joke, but it's funny. All right, so then he... Oh, Roy's like, well, I'm trying to start something up with Keely. Mm -hmm. And then Ted says something like, oh, you're cotton. He's like, oh, but Jamie is, you know, also in the picture or whatever. He says, you're caught in life's most complicated shape, the love triangle, or the walked in on your mother-in-law changing into a swim swimsuit, do-hecahedron, nope, nope. do-decahedron? There it is. Do-decahedron. I don't know what that is. But... Well, I was going to ask you, do you know how many sides are in a do-decahedron? I'm going to go with 30. Nope. It's a uh, popular dice in D&D. Five. <laughs> There's not a 25-sided dice in D&D. &D. Uh, critical it's, hit, 24. No, it's 12. It's a 12-sided die. All right. Well, I was close. <laughs> and Roy says, does my face look like it's in the mood for shape-based jokes? Now, can I mention, like, again, great line because it's so all shaped. But do you realize this is coming from the Diamond Dogs? He's mm. getting his advice from shapes. Okay. I love it. Okay. All right. It's all shape-based. There's layers. There's this. Shape-based assistance, as someone <laughs> like to call it. And uh, then Ted's like, oh, I know who you need to talk to. <laughs> he gets on his phone and Roy's like, what are you doing? And I love how they all enter the office. Like, Nate goes directly to the bookshelf or whatever that is. The bookcase sits Sanders on spot, it. Yeah. They have a spot. Beard comes in. He goes, I knew this was going to happen. He leans back in his chair. <laughs> and then Higgins goes up to his spot where he leans against the glass. <laughs> and they start talking about Roy's issue with Keeley. Uh, they seemingly immediately knew about it. So I don't know what Ted put in the text, but they seemed right. like it's they like knew. Keeley, Roy, <laughs> issue, my office. And then they all show up, which was great. And Roy says, this is my effing nightmare. <laughs> so I'll get in there and start making comments. Oh, and then when Ted's going like back and forth and saying the stuff at Roy that's like clearly sarcastic, and then Nate's got to make that line. He's like, oh, I love it when Coach says that sarcasm. Right. Roy's <laughs> like, I can't control my feelings. And Ted's like, well, let them control you. Is and... inner Jerry Seinfeld? No, it's, uh, he's Chandler Binging. Bing oh. Bingaming. Wait, Chandler? Chandler Bing. Bing? Chandler Binging. He's, he's Chandler Binging. Yes. Yes. Which is another Friends reference, because we got Schwimmer from last episode, now we got Chandler. And Ted's big point here is, you know, hey, you have a past, she has a past. Don't let your feelings on the past muck up your future. I have comments about this. I'm trying to be curious, not judgmental. 
But I no wait wait. You don't have to be curious and judgmental yet. We haven't gotten to that part of the episode. Okay, sorry. So you can be judgmental all you want. Okay, I'm gonna be judgmental <laughs> then, because the the point is like Roy is Roy is thinking about she was in a relationship with Jamie and he hates Jamie. Mm -hmm. I do think there is something to be said, in the same way we are judged by who our friends are. Mm -hmm. We are also judged <laughs> by who we date. Yeah. So you could look at a person and say, oh, they dated that person. And maybe I'm going to get mail about this. But you could say, like, Jamie is not a great human. I mean, he's not like a murderer or anything. <laughs> but he's just very selfish and nar uh, narcissistic yeah. and all those things. And so if you date someone who has also dated that person, I think there is some inference that can be had in terms of who our friends are, who we date represents us. You could argue that Keely dated him at one point in her life mm -hmm. and she has maybe grown and mm -hmm. changed and wants something different. I do understand that. So I don't think Roy is completely out of line here in terms of that. But once again, they just kind of brush him off and tell him to get over it. Well, I think what the Diamond Dogs do I mean, I hear your sentiment. It's it's similar to the other thing. They kind of gloss over like these types of relationship things that I don't know. Promiscuid promiscuities. Sure, sure. We'll use that one. Um, but that's what prom is short for. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, that's, that's no. not right. That's not a yes and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, Tom! Yes and me every once in a while. Um, but yeah, they, they do kind of gloss over it quickly, but again, they make, they make I, what I think is a very fair point. Like you guys weren't dating. You, ha you haven't had any like physical relationships to that point. Like what she does is, is fair. And I think it kind of goes back to why she apologized. You didn't think her having to apologize made much sense because right. they weren't dating. I think it's the same thing that these guys are now trying to mention to him. Like you right. can't let somebody's past define what's going to happen in the future because People can change, and it can absolutely change. I agree. I do think it's important for people's values to align. So, like, if what is important for, like, Roy in terms of values or, like, moral values, mm -hmm. if he and Keeley agree on those things, then I think there is there can be some success there. I think it's unfair to assume someone else has your same values or your same standards without yeah. communicating that. And then I also think it's unfair to not hold yourself to those same like values, mm -hmm. which I don't think you disagree with me on any of this stuff. But I had that thought as like they were talking about like past history, past dating history, those types of things. Mm -hmm. Like it's unfair of Roy to hold her to a different standard than he would hold himself. It is also unfair to hold her to a standard that hasn't been communicated and that they both agree on. Yes. And we're seeing that in this in this episode and have seen it through their start of their relationship. Like They've had some flirty stuff. They've had some back-to-back, -back, but communication hasn't been the greatest with them. Did you know flirty stuff was my nickname in high school? <laughs> flirty stuff? Yeah. I don't think that was right. Okay. I well, think it was... You uh... weren't there, so <laughs> you're just going to have to trust me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've seen miscommunication between them. So I think this is, again, them just calling it out. Like, you guys haven't communicated. All you told her was, you're busy. And later sure. on, he dives deep and says, this is why I was busy. That's so a good point. opening up. That's a good point. Full of them. And happy. 
so then we are at re- the pub. Mm. What's the pub called? No, 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 no. I don't remember either. The Gobble- Hound and Stag. Oh, I was going to say Gobbler Schnob. <laughs> no, you can't say that. Why not? Oh, we're going to have to bleep that now for all the hobblers out there. Rebecca and Ted are in the pub because they're supposed to be meeting with the Milk Sisters. We very quickly discover after a thousand dairy-based jokes, which are all gold, uh, write them down, use them. We discover that the Milk Sisters are no more. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the sense that they're dead, but that Rupert <laughs> Bought them out in a, in a milk um, accident. They were hit by a cow. Through Beck's, he bought into the team. <laughs> so he is now a 2.9% owner uh, of the team. And in that moment, uh, Rupert, because he's a jerk, but no one else knows that he buys the whole pub around. Mm-hmm. And everyone is thrilled by this. Of course. Especially I'm a little bit. Pub guys. I'd like to dive into Beck's a little bit more at some point because um, Rupert says some things in front of her that like i think she should be bothered by <laughs> yeah like once again who you're with represents you and if the guy is like a complete evil tool bag then maybe don't be with him anyway she's, she's got student loans to pay off now well now she owns part of the room <laughs> soccer queen. and then we go back to keely she is back in the press room she's got our man danny rojas Oh, man. Danny Rojas could deliver any line and I would laugh. <laughs> she's like, she's talking about endorsements with him and she's like, you want to endorse Joy? I don't know how I can get you paid for that. And Danny just wants to give Joy away for free. He does it for free. He says, I like giving Joy away for free. I thought Joy was like a brand at first. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the dish soap. You yeah. gotta enjoy the dish soap. That's great. But then when I watch... Tom, that says more about you than the show. I'll say that. I watch when the caption's on. And jo- <laughs> Joy wasn't capitalized. It wasn't capitalized. <laughs> so then I knew. That's so funny. Oh, I love it. Oh, man. Thank you for that. You brought me an immense amount of joy. Uh, lower capital, uh, non capital J. Then Roy Rock walks in. After Danny <laughs> Roy Rogers Roy walks in. Oh, sorry. After Danny has departed. Again, again, was not died. Not dead. Was not died. Our dearly departed Danny Rojas. No, Roy walks in and he informs Keely that he's no longer mad. Yep. He's a grown man. He's a grown man. He's not a baby child. I love, I love that wording. It's so great. So then uh, he explains, hey, I'm not mad about Jamie. You know, I just want to, I, I like you more than I hate him. Yeah, good line. Which is a good line. And then a funny bit here, she pretends it's a press conference and she moves through different parts of the press box and she asks some questions. She's Keely Jones, the independent woman. <laughs> Keely Jones, independent woman, online edition. <laughs> Keely Jones, independent woman, magazine. <laughs> Keely Jones, independent woman, Sunday insert. It's all very funny. And he's like the woman with the hair. The woman that he's like answering the questions. The best is at the very end because he's just out of ideas. Right. He's like the woman with the um, Evan eyes. Evan I don't know. <laughs> so good. So they have a fun moment. She does ask about, which I don't think we touched on earlier. We'll just say Jamie's got... He's no, got, Roy. Or sorry, Roy has some good hip movement. Good hip movement. Um, Drives the ladies wild. It's caused some rumors, and she asks him about it, and he says, that's enough questions we'll see on the pitch, and departs. <laughs> no he, one leaves a room better than Roy. <laughs> he doesn't even look back. He just leaves. He just leaves. So great. 
Man, and I need to get a black leather jacket. That's what I've decided based on watching Roy. Yeah, and Morchester. Ooh. I don't think that's physically possible. God did not gift me with that trait. <laughs> um, then we're back at the pub. The patrons love Rupert. Rupert tells Rebecca uh, that he is going to be sitting in the owner's box at every game. And then after each loss, he's going to tell the press how terrible he thinks she's doing. Mm. And he is just being an all-around terrible human being. I don't often want to punch my TV, but <laughs> when Rupert's on it, I want to punch my TV. Yeah, he is so smarmy and such a jerk. And so Ted brings up darts. Oh, he talks about snooker first. Do you know what snooker is? Yeah, it's it's like it's like a pool table, but gigantic, and the holes are super tiny. And there's two different colored balls. There's white and red. I don't really know how it works. I just know what it is. Oh, I thought it was one where they didn't have pockets. Isn't there one without pockets? No, this has pockets, but they're super tiny. Okay. Well, I liked how Ted made fun of Snooker several times. <laughs> and Rupert does not get Ted or his jokes. Ted makes several jokes, and Rupert's like, what? Yeah. It's so great. No, he goes, uh, the Milk Sisters aren't here. And he's like, oh, did they expire? Oh, and Rupert's great. like, what? It was so Rupert has no <laughs> sense of humor other than when he makes jokes. So Rupert challenge, challenges Ted to a game of darts and they make a wager and Rupert being jerk originally makes a wager of like 10,000 pounds, which uh, the equivalent in American dollars is like 3 million probably bucks. like hundred dollars. I think it's probably. like three, 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 four. I don't know. The strength of the American dollars out uh, insane right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> couldn't say it without laughing. And so, yeah, I could not. Uh, but ultimately the wager is Ted makes it is um, if Rupert wins, he gets to pick the starting lineup of the, uh, Greyhounds for the last two games, and if Rupert loses, he has to stay away from Rebecca and the owner's box. Mm -hmm. And Rebecca's like, "What are you doing?" And Ted's <laughs> like, "Some people would call it white knighting, but I don't know. I'm just going with my gut." <laughs> it's a great moment. Then we have this like, um, what is the hustle? No, no, no. What is the the movie where he's like, "Oh, I am also not left-handed." The Hustler, Princess Bride. No, oh. no, it's like Princess Bride, where <laughs> Rupert reveals that he has his own darts, so oh, he yeah. cares enough to carry his own darts, and then Ted reveals that. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, forgot. I'm not. I'm left-handed. This is gonna be a hoot." Yeah, and he just boom, he chucks it right at that uh, bullseye. Yeah, great moment for both of them, revealing that they were trying to hustle the other. So we'll <laughs> see how that turns out. Fingers crossed. Spoiler alert. It goes well for Ted. It goes well for Ted. Then we have, oh, first date, Roy and Keeley are walking in a lovely area by oh. some sort of canal. Classic I'm assuming Roy and it's Keeley. by the Thames. By the Thames. Ooh, nice. It's like it's a classic Roy and Keeley. <laughs> nice. nice. Thames. The Thames. The Thames. Dang it, I missed on the second <laughs> one, too. <laughs> oh, pronunciation is hard. Uh, but yeah, we got a classic Roy and Keeley walk and talk. Walk and talk. A Sorkin, as we like to call him <laughs> in the biz. Keeley wants to know what he was doing when he kept saying he was busy because he gave no other explanation, which I'm sure was infuriating. She wants to know if he was dating someone else. Um, and she's like, oh, it's I'm okay with it. But she's clearly not. Like no. She's clearly going to be hurt if that's the thing. Mm -hmm. um, and Roy says he was busy. He was doing yoga with like some middle-aged woman. He does it every such and such day. It's great for his core. That's <laughs> what he says. And then we discover that Maureen, Maureen, Maureen is one of the women in his yoga class. She's going through a divorce and needed to blow off some steam. So they ended up at a club called G-A-Y, yep. gay, until 2 a.m. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. 
and uh, they had crepes with drag queens <laughs> in the morning for breakfast. That's so just, awesome. Like, you picture Roy in that situation. And I'm sure he's a great friend and like a great listener. And so I'm just fun. I'm hopeful like at the end of this series, if they end and then we just get a spinoff series with Roy and like a Golden Girls type situation, where it's just Roy in a house with these uh, middle aged women. women from oh, this yoga class. So yeah. awesome. I'd watch in a heartbeat and his retirement from football. <laughs> they kiss because she is uh, so uh smitten by his honesty smitten by his honesty thank you tom you gotcha the paparazzi camera is taking them pictures roy gets upset he goes it's impolite to take some picture can paparazzi not take pictures of you unless they no say no no no. no. they have they take pictures all the time they don't care that's the whole thing like celebrities hate it i don't know the way he kind of came up and said like hey you can't do this unless i give you permission to do this well he said it's impolite he's, okay. he's and then he, <laughs> he just takes it he takes the memory card and he's like see it's impolite for me to take this without asking can i have this and the camera guy's like no and he's like too bad he takes it anyways which is great, like, from a story writing perspective, because that comes that, into play at the end of the episode. And again, can we mention this is another fantastic Roy leaving a scene? He's like, we're leaving. I'm cooking dinner for I'm you. I'm cooking dinner at home. Yeah. She's been trying to figure out where he's taking her. And essentially, the secret is, I'm taking you home to cook you a dinner in my place, yep. which is great. Then we're back at the pub. Um, my note just says Rupert is a... A donkey? A donkey. A big jackass. <laughs> Um, he says some unkind things about Rebecca, just like, I don't know. He's just, once again, if you're Bex and you're listening to this guy talk about his ex-wife, yeah. like, I understand, but like, he was in the wrong in the divorce. I mean, both people are in the wrong in divorce. <laughs> I've been on record saying this, but he's been in the wrong in the divorce. And then he's saying these things to her and Bex is just like, oh, he's a great man. He's just, you know, I don't uh, know how yeah. she justifies it. Yeah. Anyways, it is what it is. They're in love. <laughs> They're great. They're going to go the distance. I believe in Rupert and Bex. I sent them a wedding gift. Says some, Rupert says some unkind things to Rebecca. And Ted has this great line where he says, hey, have better manners while I'm holding a dart. Yeah. <laughs> and you can see Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso does a great job when he gets mad mm-hmm. of like showing that he's mad, but like like a restrained mad. Yeah. Like he do, he's, he's done it with Jamie. Mm-hmm. He's done it at certain points where you can tell like, Hey, I'm to the point where I'm about to lose my temper, mm-hmm. but I'm like holding it back. And in that moment, you could definitely, definitely see it. Mm-hmm. And then Ted starts giving in his speech. And you like to call this a, yeah, a what like, kind of moment? Yeah, this is our full house moment. And it happens in act two in this episode. Normally, we kind of get the music kind of start cueing in and, and then we get it scene. in the last scene. Uh, but this one kind of happens mid episode. And uh, I kind of like right when the music kind of hits and, you know, like, He's down but not out. Looks at the bartender and says, hey, what do I need to get to win? Right. Tells him, hey, you need two trip 20s and a bull. Um, you know, he's like, all right, no big deal. I like, boom, once that music kicks in and he starts his speech, like, you know how this how it's going to end. Right. Uh, but his speech is so powerful. Talk and it's it. so much it's so much fun to watch Ted and his element and give this kind of, yeah, give this kind of heartfelt speech. He's like, hey. People have been underestimating me my whole life. And what I realized is it says more about them than me. Mm-hmm. He's like, I once saw a quote. It said, be curious, not judgmental. It's by Walt Whitman. And he just, Ted goes into all the people that have judged me or like underestimated me. 
rather than being curious, rather than wanting to know about me and ask questions about me, mm -hmm. they have just assumed and they have, you know, been judgmental and assumed the negative about me. Yeah. And so he's bringing this up because clearly Rupert <laughs> has not given, you know, any moment of time to ask Ted about himself, mm -hmm. you know, where he's from, what he's done. And the other thing that I think is interesting in this moment is as he's talking this through, they cut to Rebecca. Yeah. And you can tell like Rebecca is feeling like I have not given this guy the chance to like get to know him mm -hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. Like she hasn't asked him. I don't think seemingly like a single personal question. Like she, right. was, she was there for him, which was great. Right. But she still is not, she's not going all the way and she's not really reciprocating that relationship with Ted. And right. this I think hits her hard when Ted mentions, that um, he used to play darts with his dad, uh, and like every day was since he was ten to sixteen when his dad passed away. Every Sunday from when he was ten to when he was sixteen when his dad passed away. Mm -hmm. So we find out a little bit about Ted that he lost his dad at sixteen, which is you know terrible. And so it dawns on Rebecca like how little she has gotten to know Ted. Mm -hmm. And then and as this is going on, Ted boom, he's still on the trip twenty. He's still on the trip 20. Yep. And, he, you know, right when he finishes his sequence, you know, he gets out. I don't know what his last line was, but the camera kind of pans on him. And it's just that, like, uh, silhouette of him. He's just barbecue sauce. Boom. And it hits Bullseye. that ball. So yeah. awesome. So great. Such a great, like, sports movie moment. <laughs> like, uh, people are excited. And so uh, Ted wins. Rupert and Bex have to make the silly loser walk home <laughs> because they're silly losers. And... Ted says Rebecca to Rebecca, hey, there's one thing you've got to do. And he tells her, <laughs> we whispers, we don't hear it. Uh, she doesn't want to, which I think is interesting. But she buys around for the place. And so everyone is now kind of, uh, he's trying to win the hearts and minds of the pub, essentially, yeah. from Rupert over to Rebecca. Yeah. So Well, I think her, her hesitance is she doesn't want to be like the center of attention, mm. but realizes like, yeah, this, this is a great moment. And she feels like once she starts saying it out loud, she realizes how awesome this moment is. Right. Because she just loves Oh, and seeing... she's very excited. Yeah. Yeah. Because she just loves seeing Rupert thrown under the bus. That is that is her her uh biscuits. Exactly. <laughs> her biscuits with a truffle in the middle. Then we are on the training pitch with the team. Ted's there and he gets the team to do what? He gets a team to he's like as he's You don't getting, know what he's doing. Yeah. He's getting the team together. He doesn't really know what. You kind of very faintly hear. If you if you didn't hear it, you can see it in the subtitles. He's like, y'all ever seen Sesame Street? And then it cuts away. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. He says it was Sesame Street. And you're like, what are they going to do? I thought they are going to put on a play or something. But they all just get together and they spell out high boss uh, with Ted dotting the I um, of high. Um, so they can uh, kind of say hi to Rebecca. So Rebecca kind of looks down from her little office. Her up, office up, up there. She says hi. And then Ted like curls out of his balls like can't hear you and then goes right back <laughs> in and then she screams hi, hi. and I, I i i think what ted says when he stands up like he's boom he's super excited yeah, they got all, her in they're all it. clapping it's like we spelt it she felt it <laughs> but when i listened to the uh or, or had the um subtitles on it said we felt it she felt it so if that's really what the writing was total mess okay because it definitely should have been felt it she felt it that's john great. write him a letter yeah write him a letter so then we're in the office with Rebecca and Higgins. Um, she makes a comment about, hey, you should have seen it, Ted embarrassed Rupert at the pub. And then Higgins brings up that they have some unsold tickets for the next game. And Rebecca says, release them to the visitors, which 
I guess the, I mean, what's the issue with that? Why would... So this is a home game for AFC Richmond. Okay. So obviously a home game. And, and I think soccer, home games in certain sports are, you know, you can make the argument it's just everybody's playing the game, like sure. homes or whatever. It doesn't really make the players play that much better. I think in soccer it does because you have... Your, your fans there doing the chants, doing all that right. kind of hoopla. Singing the songs. Singing the songs. The Bubbles songs. Not the Bubbles, not for AFC Richmond. That's for West Ham, but I appreciate you remembering that. Thank you. Um, but, I, but, but Higgins says something very specific about them playing Man City in the last game, which I thought was pretty telling and interesting because, as we know, Jamie went to Man City. And I know you've seen all the episodes. I haven't, but I'm kind of predicting if they're going to play Man City and, and maybe the, whether it's the penultimate episode, this next one, or in the last one, It'd be, I'm very interested to see what happens with Jamie and kind of coming back together with the team now on the opposite side of the pitch. Sure. And, but she says release him to the visitors. So. Yeah, and this is so like – like this is a moment where every time you think this show is going to turn Rebecca around, mm. she just, just – I don't know. She just can't jump over that last hurdle, whatever it is. Like Roy was at Domino. He he fell over, right. and all the players are getting it. But whatever it is, like we just had this emotional moment where Ted kind of confessed all these different things about his past, and Rebecca comforted him, camera yeah. comforted him. But I mean, talking about the pub, like the camera stops at her. She realizes, man, right. I haven't been opening up to this guy. But not a day later, does she kind of make the reference about, um, yeah, like I, I don't care about this team. All I want to do is destroy Rupert, Rupert and and what he did to build this team. It was just so like a moment. Yeah, they definitely have her as the heel, and she, even though you see the glimmers of, oh, is Rebecca going to turn to Ted's side? She clearly has not. She uses that heel, and she squashes Ted. Squashes Ted. But who fights her? Who stops that heel from crushing Ted? My boy Higgins, (laughs) who I have been in his corner uh, (laughs) since the very beginning. Some people have doubted Higgins, but I think this is an interesting conversation here because higgins pushes back yep uh in fact he does the thing that keely did when keely did uh and he's like oh i was wondering what it would be like if i told you to f off and so at this one he drops the f-bomb um he is sick of her trying to punish rupert just to hurt the team just to hurt ted and she she does this thing which she has held over higgins which is hey where was your like um moral compass Mm -hmm. when rupert was lying to me and and taking all these women around like you you had no backbone then Mm -hmm. so you're not going to have a backbone now which is a powerful argument like from his perspective like he could go into kind of a, a shame and guilt bubble and just kind of recede but we see from higgins that you know he admits hey i was a coward then um i'm sorry like I feel like I'm owning up to that now, but I'm not going to continue to be a coward. Yep. Uh, and, and it says, goes back to the accountability, right? Like right. he is taking account of accountability for his actions in the past and realizing I don't want to repeat those. So I'm going to stand up to you. Right. And so the argument that he would be a hypocrite if he stands up to her now, that mm-hmm. all of a sudden he like, eventually that becomes like, he's got to get past that. Yeah. So, which he does right now. And it's great. So he, Threatens to quit. I don't know how that's a big threat for Rebecca. I guess because he's running football operations, maybe he's a big deal. I don't think Rebecca has any idea how to do any of the stuff that Higgins does. Like Higgins is one of these like uh, background characters that likely does a ton, tons of stuff, just like Nate does as the kit man for the team that you don't necessarily see day in day out. She is going to be lost without him. So we see our Iron Giant Higgins (laughs) quit, Uh, and then he leaves. 
And then as he's departing, who comes in but our good friend Keely. Mm. And Keely, we find out, great callback to the paparazzi and the memory card. Keely comes in and reveals that she knows that Rebecca hired the paparazzi to take the pictures of her and Ted. Uh, and that Rebecca should not deny it. And that she needs to tell Ted that mm -hmm. she's been trying to essentially screw him over since the beginning. Or Keely's going to do it. Yep. And that's where we cut and we see Rebecca... The anguish on her face of mm. being caught in her web of lies. <laughs> there's no song. Uh, there's no like cool mellow. The, there's no full house moment. Is that too? Um, at the end, but there is one that plays during the credits. Tom, did you pay attention to what song plays during the credits? I didn't know this song, but I heard the lyrics. I think the one of the first lyrics once they start cutting into the credits in the song is like the Diamond Dogs. The Diamond Dogs. Which I don't know if that's where they got the name for the show. Probably is. But who sings the Diamond Dogs? Uh, Sir David Bowie. Sir David Bowie. Yeah. Best... So that's probably where it is. Like uh, David Bowie being a he's British, right? Yeah. He's a Britman. He was British. Um, he was British. Yes. Um, so yeah, maybe that is like the Diamond Dogs are them being four guys, the dogs of of the Greyhound, and then it being a British, a probably more culturally relevant British. Uh, I don't know, slogan, whatever it is. Like sure, more common so. to British yeah, because yeah. David Bowie is a British yeah. artist. Mm -hmm. I only know David Bowie from the song in Moana. Uh, go on. Uh, glitter, diamond, gold, what is uh, it? That's Jermaine Clement. Uh, but he's who's... doing a David Bowie impression. He 100% is doing a David Bowie impression. So, there you go. <laughs> I only know David Bowie from Labyrinth. I only know David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> it was just... All right. Well, with that, that was episode eight of season one of Ted Lasso. Uh, we appreciate you guys being with us. Uh, I apologize for my moral soapbox. No, I appreciate Tom for grounding me. And I would mention once again that as we approach the end of this season, we're looking to find out what the audience would like from us. And so please do. If you have comments or requests, message us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com mm -hmm. or teambinge on Twitter. But next week, we're going to talk about episode nine, season one. And episode nine, Tom, is called? It's called the Trapezoid Kitty Cats. The Trapezoid Kitty Cats. That's correct. Google that. You will immediately find the right Ted Lasso <laughs> episode. Put it in your Roku, and Apple TV will bring it right up. <laughs> but we appreciate you being with us. I'm Julian. And I'm Tom. Thanks again for joining us, everybody. Thanks.